It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Well, that went differently than any other series that the Reds and Toronto Blue Jays have played in my lifetime. I don't know about you, Steve. I, I think that was a easy. That was all right. The <laughs> fact that the Blue Jays didn't sweep us. I mean, it's been forever since the Reds actually beat the Toronto Blue Jays. By the way, hey, I'm Jeff Carr, and that's Stephen Offenbaker. We're locked on Reds over here. Or over there, we got Matthew Bonaparte and Ben Schulman from Locked On Blue Jays. We are going to break down this series and kind of give you our big thoughts when it comes to the Blue Jays taking two out of three from the Red Legs, some things that surprised us, and how our teams look moving forward. Spoiler alert on that. I've got some feelings as to why I think the Blue Jays are going to win the AL East. But we want to start with why this series, the, the big thing from this series. And Steve, I know you got a big thought on that. I have a huge thought on that, and that is that Joey Votto has once again shown himself to be Canada's greatest export. Uh, <laughs> Votto still bangs. He he can't come straight off of the injured list and has an extra base hit in every single game of the series. He was clearly yes. motivated not only to be off the injured list and motivated to perform at a high level like he always is, but to do it at home in front of his family, in front of his friends, you know, in, in the ballpark that he grew up attending, I think that that just had to be so special for him. And, and as always in big, big moments, Joey Votto did not disappoint. He returned to the land of his youth. Ben though, when you look at the blue Jays for this series, I, I I've got a feeling as to how you're going to go, but give me your big takeaway. Yeah. It's, it's just another, you know, kind of disappointing series from the offense. And it's always good to win a series of major league baseball, but this was one that really felt like it could have been a sweep if the Jays could finally click. And now that they get one guy back, the other guys are down. It's just, it has not come together yet. Uh, although in a bittersweet way, I do like watching Joey Votto. Uh, get big hits. I can't, I can't deny that he's from like 20 minutes from where I grew up and I like it, but it, it would be cool if our offense was doing a lot of the stuff that he was doing. That would be nice. I, I was still... going to say, yeah, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I still feel like at some point in his career, he's going to be a Blue Jay, if only for a minute. I don't know. <laughs> right, at the end. right at the end. Maybe if you guys are looking to sell this year at the deadline. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and if you talk to our front office, depending on the day, they'll give you a different answer. But Matthew, <laughs> when you look at this area, the, the, the Blue Jays really pitched quite well, and that was something that I took away from them. Yeah, that was, that, was good, some, that was some good pitching. <laughs> well, that's been the one thing that – 
hasn't been worrisome. And I've said this a couple of times on our pods, like in the off season, it wasn't the pitching that was hyped up and made the Jays whatever they were in the in the MLB power rankings number two or whatever. It was the the crazy lineup that they were supposed to throw out. Of course, Teoscar gets hurt to begin the year, and that puts a little bit of a damper on things. Of course, he's back now. Bichette gets in a huge slump. He comes back in this series, hits a couple of jacks, but it hasn't been the offense that's been consistent. It's been the pitching. I mean, you've you've got three aces uh on any given week in that rotation. Barrios, Gosman, and Manoa. I mean, that's an insane triple-headed dragon. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, and the Reds got the uh the fortune, not misfortune, the fortune of missing Gosman and Barrios, but my goodness. And, and you got good pitching from Yusei Kikuchi, too. I know that first inning was a little bit rough. He settled he, in, though. Yeah, he settled in very nicely. And that's kind of something that I took away on the converse side from the Reds is that they pitched well. And that includes a rookie debut for one Graham Ashcraft. He is a dude that absolutely burst onto the scene last year, was not very high on any prospect list for the Reds, and throughout last season really built up his brand. And now he breaks into the major leagues. And I loved what they were talking about on the broadcast. They said that Derek Johnson just told him, look, just go out and go after guys. I'm not going to give you a scouting report. I'm not going to give you tape. This is your first start. And you learned about it last night. So I'm not going to sit here and inundate you with information. And he pitched pretty well. I I thought that, you know, I would have liked to have seen him gone a little bit longer, but they said that he had not thrown more than 75 pitches in AAA, so it's understandable that they did not ask him to do more than that against the lineup. That Yes, is it a little bit slumping based on where you would think the Blue Jays lineup would be right now? Yeah, but that's still full with a lot of talented guys. You know, Jeff, there's a couple things on that Graham Ashcraft start that I just want to work in while we're talking about him. Uh, One of those things is that, you know, not only was it uh, a start that he only found out about the day before uh, on an emergency basis, but, you know, they had told him he was going to relieve while he was on this series. So all of his prep getting ready for this was based on probably just throwing his best two pitches and how to most effectively use those against whatever hitter he was facing. He had to come into this game and really, you know, kind of finesse his way through it. And if you happen to catch his post game interview, one of the things that he said to uh, the media was that he knows in hindsight and reviewing the, the video, he was overthrowing. He was trying to put too much emphasis on his breaking stuff. He was overspinning things. His fastball was getting away from him. Uh, you know, he was, basically bringing his arm across his body and his release point was off so i'm encouraged that he had the amount of success he did given the circumstances but that he was able to almost instantly identify the things that weren't quite working for him and i I hope he gets another start here pretty quick because i would like to see how he bounces back something we've not mentioned yet and ben and matt i need your take on this because i thought alec manoa deserved a shot at the complete game. I was flabbergasted that they took him out, to be honest with you. What did you guys think about that? You want to go first, Ben, or me? Uh, <laughs> how angry are you going to get? Because I'm, I can get I'm not happy. I'll tell you right, that you much. Go, you go. You <laughs> Listen, go. if the guy – first of all, if the dude is dealing, you cannot – like you at least got to give him a choice and ask him if he wants to go back out there. You can't just yank him. And second, if he's telling you in the dugout, what are you talking about? I need to be on the mound. You can't take him out. Are you kidding me? I don't care if if it's a close game. No offense to you guys. You're playing the Reds. You're playing the Reds. (laughs) All right? It is not a big deal. 
You're going to win either either way. Let him go out there. Let him just deal for another three outs. It's You're going to get the win. And, and I will give him that Romano came in and dealt, but I don't really care. Alec Manoa deserved those three outs, and he deserved to show everybody that he has the capability uh, of throwing a complete game, one-run game. I mean, the guy is a dog. I think that if he was in a bigger market that had more eyes on him, he would be considered already for he'd be in huge Cy Young uh, conversations. I mean, the guy is incredible. He his stuff does not get talked about enough. The the way he makes the baseball move is insane. I mean, his slider, sinker, changeup combination is borderline unhittable. It's impossible to hit. Yeah, I'm also pissed. I will say, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm also pissed. Uh, not as pissed as Alec Manoa was, uh, but I, I think the biggest thing that sticks out to me is if. You know, for those who've been following the Jays, they've way overtaxed the bullpen this year, especially Jordan Romano. He's been great, but part of the reason he's been great is they've needed him to save 75 to 80% of their wins. If you have an opportunity to not make him make the save with a guy we don't have to get into the nitty-gritty, but coming off a gastrointestinal infection who hasn't pitched in a week except for the night before, so he was used the night before, this is the perfect time to rest him and give your stud pitcher who you want to sign long-term eventually the opportunity to get a complete game, not make him super angry at everyone in the dugout. And, you know, I, I, I have a, a good story from Alec Manoa where when he was in the Cape Cod Baseball League, he actually played for the team that I ended up broadcasting for, not the same year. But the manager told me he tried to take him out of a game once, and Alec basically said, look, Tom, I'm a lot bigger than you are. Uh, and he's not afraid <laughs> to try and, and force himself into games because that's the kind of guy he is. There aren't enough guys like that, I think, anymore around who take a lot of pride in wanting to go and finish games. He had 83 pitches. He could have done it. Hindsight's 2020. They get strikeout the side from Romano. They win anyway. But like Matt said, they probably would have won regardless. Why not let him get this milestone and rest Romano? And my other thing about it is, like, if Romano had not pitched in a while, it would have been an entirely different story. And I would have said, okay, let him go out there and get his feet wet again after coming off the IL. He had the gastrointestinal infection. I want to see what he can do against a team that he's probably going to have success against. But like you said, Ben, he pitched the night before. We just saw the guy. And this is a dude that started the year. What was it? I don't know how many games it was, but he raced to 12 saves. It was inc- it's insane. So there's just no need. I mean, there was really no need, Chuck. I, I, it made no sense to me. Yeah, I, I was I was flabbergasted by the fact. I think he only threw like eight pitches in the eighth inning, and he was only yeah. at like 88 or 89 pitch. I thought, you know, he definitely has one more inning, and especially the fact you had Tyler Aquin bunting with two outs like that. Whatever. <laughs> there, there's a whole can of worms there that I don't want to get into just yet, but I'll tell you this. Somewhere Jim Riggleman is very, very happy. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever an independent ball it is that he's managing. Yes, let's talk about some surprises, though. There's been a lot of surprises in this series, I think, that we will jump into here in just a moment. But before we jump into that, you got to jump into some brownie batter puff. They've come out with some really good flavors there built, and they've had that great birthday cake puff that was so tasty. It's already gone, but they had to make a new one. This one's brownie batter puff. Talking about 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 7 grams of sugar. But yes, it's going to taste like brownie batter. It's a marshmallow that has protein in it. 
collagen protein. So you absorb it uh, better. And there's a lot of health benefits there too. And when you're talking about Built Bar, you're going to get 100% real chocolate that covers every single bar. So it's going to fit into your diet because the statistics are amazing, but it's also going to taste like you're going away from your diet. Steve, what's your favorite Built Bar flavor? So, you know me, I, I stay pretty locked in on the Cherries Barcia. I keep that in my, my locker at the hospital when I'm on shift. Uh, that's my go-to. But I've been waiting to get my hands on those birthday cake puffs. Uh, I've got a box of those on the way. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to tearing into those and see how they compare. You guys had the puffs? Yeah, a, a birthday cake puff kind of guy. Well, we're, we're new to the game, so birthday cake kind of broke it in for us. Yeah, birthday cake sauce. I mean nope. – and- Locked on Syracuse host Brad Klein has told us all about his oh. love oh, for those yeah. puffs. That dude's a puff gobbler. Oh, yeah. Give me the <laughs> puffs. The puffs are amazing, and they are made with 100% real chocolate, protein-packed marshmallow. Seriously, if you haven't tried it out, I don't know what you're waiting for. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. Try them today. Get 15% off at Built.com. New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom, cash back. Even buying around can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Thanks again for making Locked On Reds and Locked On Blue Jays your first listen. We are breaking down this series. And by the way, we're free and available in all podcasts or podcast platforms. Thanks for making us. Yeah, I already said that. Whatever. We are talking about this Blue Jays and Reds series. Blue Jays take two out of three. All right, Matt, I'm going to start with you. Biggest surprise. What do you got? Biggest surprise. All right. So. I'm going to say this is my biggest surprise. I guess I can't because it kind of contradicts myself, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, ben and I do a segment on our show uh, where we do uh, upcoming to a series, either Sunday scaries or Thursday scaries. And then we also do a hype train, which is we pick a guy on the other team that we're scared of. And then we pick a guy on the Blue Jays that we're hyped about. Uh, this week, you know, I just happened to pick Bo Bichette. Uh, you know, they call me Bone Stradamus for a reason. Uh, so I mean, Bobichet's my guy. Uh, I will say I was a little bit surprised because my picks don't usually hit. Uh, but he went out and he did a couple of jacks, so I was pumped about that. Off. Yeah, yeah, man, that hair is incredible too. <laughs> the flow of the bow, Matt. Uh, I I love that pick because he absolutely destroyed Reds pitching, and and Hunter Green had a very nice streak of no hit innings, and he blew that up on the first pitch in the fourth inning of that Saturday contest. Ben, when you look at the series, what surprised you the most? I I guess I'm going to go a little bit more negative, unfortunately. I I think the biggest Mm -hmm. surprise is that the Jays leave the series with a plus-two run differential from the three games total. I I really thought this would be a series for more than just Bo to break out. Our picks, my pick not as good as his, but Matt Chapman did actually have a pretty good series uh, bouncing back. But you got nothing from Vladimir Guerrero Jr., we're starting to run thin on our Teoscar got hurt early and he still has time to come back. Clock. Yeah, we're, we're giving him a little <laughs> more time, but it's getting close. And, you know, they just – I I could have believed that they would have won two out of three. And, frankly, I probably would have thought that Castillo or Green would have stole one. 
But to only score two more runs than the Reds and only score three runs as your series high in the first game, it's just or in the second game, pardon me, it's just a little disappointing. I thought that they would at least leave with, you know, a plus six, plus seven run differential from the series, but they didn't hit enough to make that possible. Yeah, that that run differential was very surprising to me in a different way. But Steve, what's your biggest surprise out of this? Because I feel like you got a couple. You know, I'll kind of piggyback on what was just said, because I mean, you from a from a Reds perspective, you can look at that as glass half full glass half empty. Um, You know, was the Toronto offense bad? Did they underperform? Or is the Reds pitching finally starting to pull it together and step up a little bit? And, you know, Jeff, you and I talked about this on our other episode that dropped today. Uh, There may not be a clear ace out in that bullpen, but Diaz sure did make a case for it in this series. And the starting pitching, you know, outside of of Hunter Green not being able to pitch to Bo Bichette, uh, you know, that was a great performance from him. And the the starting pitching is starting to come together. The bullpen is starting to come together. And now if we can just get all of these players that are in this lineup back to triple a where they belong and get our guys back off the injured <laughs> list this team can compete a little bit i still have hope that the reds can put together enough wins to hit that magic number 74 that you and i are really really interested in and I, you know i can still see it i can see it especially if the pitching continues to perform the rest of the way the way that it did in this series against toronto interested to the tune of a benjamin uh, I'll, I'll put it to you that way um when i look at this series and this is not going to sound like that monumental of a surprise but when i looked at the roster that was heading north toronto i was like geez just be competitive that's all we need i mean we had taylor modder playing third base his father was a modder his mother was a modder like i just absolutely he's a modder oh (laughs) he was he was not good he was not good um you know kudos to him for making it to the show but um i kind of hope the reds never have to play that dude again because that was a (laughs) very very thin situation there at third base we're talking about a bunch of dudes like are we gonna put moose at third no i want him at dh we're gonna put colin marie in at third i really want him on the bench i don't know who you put at third though because after those two you don't really have anybody because eugenio suarez is a seattle mariner so there's all this stuff that goes into the roster. Brandon Drury, who has been a revelation with the bat, wasn't able to play. And you had a bunch of guys out due to injury. We haven't seen Jonathan Indian, what feels like a fortnight. Haven't seen Nixon Zell. Wonder if we see him again. I don't know. There's a lot going on there. But when you're talking about a full-strength Reds lineup, I thought that they didn't have this was a much better series than what I expected. That run differential surprised me because they just pitched so well. And kind of like you said, I I think there were some rough at bats by some dudes, but I noticed that Toronto really had a aggressive approach at the plate. There was a lot of early count swings and misses, but there was also some contact as well. Is that different from how they've been batting this season? Not really. You think? All right. Well, we can. I think they go after the first pitch all the time. I've seen guys take so many first pitch fastballs. (laughs) Vladdy's the biggest of. Vladdy does. Vladdy takes. I I watch that guy take so many fastballs down the middle, and when Vladdy and when the ball's coming down like a meatball to Vladdy, you are just you get amped in your seat to watch it go seven hundred feet, and then he just watches it go by, and I'm sitting there like, what are you waiting for? 
Um, so, but to see these guys start to hop on the first pitch is good because it means that they realize as well that their bats are sleeping. As I put it together on our awards last week, then those bats are in REM sleep. They're in that deep sleep where they get those crazy dreams. Uh, and listen, a guy, especially like Matt Chapman, your hype train from this week, he's got to wake it up. He's got to wake it up, get off the interstate. Uh, but I think it's, it's a good sign because that means Chuck's in there getting to the guys in the clubhouse saying, we're a better lineup than this. Come on. I think at least, you know, if you look uh, one ahead of Vladdy, though, the last Bichette to not swing at a first pitch was named Dante because Bo has never <laughs> seen a first pitch that he doesn't like. Uh, it is a good sign, though. When this team was good last year, they swing at the first pitch, and they swing at a ton of pitches. They're never going to be a, a team that walks a ton. It, it's just not the way that they work. They want to go out there and try and hit a ton of doubles and a ton of homers. And so some of that – you know, maybe is taken back by the dead ball. But then again, everyone's using the same ball. So I don't really want to use that as an excuse because there are a lot of teams that try to hit for home runs that are still doing it really well this year. I, I think it is a good sign that they're getting aggressive. This team needs to start getting a little angry. You know, even though they're above 500, they're not exactly living up to what they're supposed to be right now. They're seven games back of the division. It's May, but they should go out there and really try and bury teams like – you know, to skew off both of our pods, like the Gabe Kapler attitude from San Francisco. Like, we want to go out there and embarrass people, is what he said. The Jays should want to go out there like they did last year and put up 13 spots on people and 15 spots on people. So it, it's a good sign. And, and when they're at their best, they are attacking pitchers. But it's hard to attack an 89-mile-per-hour slider from Hunter Green or Luis Castillo's everything. that just He's throwing just Frisbees. <laughs> I, I will admit, those two guys pitch really well, and I almost wanted to give the Jays a pass. Uh, you got to hit Ashcraft. Though. You just have to. You do. Yeah, I was happy with his debut, but overall, yeah, I was surprised to see he pitched as well as he did because that's a tough lineup to debut against. We're not talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates here. But overall, I still think that what I've seen from this lineup doesn't dissuade me from believing that the Blue Jays are going to win the AL East. I'm going to tell you my thoughts on that, and we will look at the Reds and Blue Jays as a whole as we move forward from this series coming up here next. You are listening to this crossover here that is Locked On Reds and Locked On Blue Jays. Matt, Ben, Steve, and myself, Jeff, we are all talking about a 2-1 series win for the Blue Jays. However, I'm sensing some consternation from the Locked On Blue Jays guys that this necessarily was not the idea that you had coming into the series. However, what I have seen, and I'm going to start us off when it comes to where, where where do we go from here? Because I believe that what the Blue, Jay, Blue Jays have shown so far from their pitching staff is sustainable. Something that will continue to be a big strength of this team. And the fact that you're talking about a team that last year or this last offseason, went into it with the mantra of basically get the pitching. I don't know that that was a hashtag that actually trended on Toronto Blue Jays Twitter. That was the thing that trended on Reds Twitter a couple of years ago, but I'm going to like juxtapose it here for the Blue Jays <laughs> because that's what they did. They went and they got it, and it's working. The bats aren't quite there just yet. I know they hit a lot of home runs in the month of April, but I think that is the reason why I'm picking them to still win this division. I know that the Yankees have gotten off to an ungodly start and are just really good right now, but I think that the Blue Jays have a more complete team. 
they undo the New York Yankees. And I think that that is why they are going to overtake the Yankees probably somewhere at the end of August or something like that because of their pitching and their hitting is going to actually work together by that point. And that's why I see them winning this division. I don't hate that take, uh, especially because the Yanks are a team that has an offense that's going crazy right now and that is bound to go cold at some point. Uh, and that has a rotation that outside of two guys are pretty much hit or miss every time they go out there and just have been hit as of late. Um, so I could totally see them having a collapse month. I actually anticipate it. Um, but the only reason I think it's going to be tough is because of the start the Yanks have gotten out to. But also, you can't really count out the Rays just because there's such a team that goes out there and just plays every game like it's game seven. Um, and they have random guys that come out of nowhere that they put into the pitching machine and that come out throwing 100 miles an hour with, like, crazy sliders. So the Rays are always a threat, and by the time it comes to September and late August, like you mentioned, it could totally be a three-horse race with uh, three teams being five or so games apart of each other. So I can see that, but it does seem difficult right now because – the Jays got to get the bats going. I mean, they just have to. They do. Yeah. They do. The ceiling is so high, though, like Jeff said, though, because of the pitching. The pitching is so much better than it was last year. Like, it's yeah. it's undoubtedly – the starting pitching, I really think, is one of the best in the American League and could go toe-to-toe with almost anyone. And one thing, you know, as I sit here and I see – I know the Yankees are playing the White Sox right now, but they played a lot of Orioles, a lot of Kansas City. And so I went and looked because I wanted to see if I was really, you know, just kind of keying in on what I wanted to see or not. The Jays so far through a quarter of the season have played the third toughest schedule in all of baseball. The Yankees so far through a quarter of the season have played the third weakest strength of schedule. This stuff matters. Last year, the Jays played a really tough strength of schedule to start the year. They got home at the same time as their schedule lightened up. And they nearly made a run against, you know, one of the best divisions, I think, in recent memory, where three teams finish with above 90 wins and one has above 100. So it's it's definitely there for the taking. But the offense would have to reach, I think, a level similar to last year to mount this huge comeback of the Yankees. You know, it's interesting. I hear you talking about consistency, I think. I I think that's the word of which team in the in the AL East can be consistent. And, you know, I think I agree that it's not the Yankees. Uh, It's interesting. I've been watching the Orioles the last few nights and that's a scrappy bunch of ballplayers down there. Let's go. So so what they what they do uh, along the way, I'm not saying they're going to be in contention, but I think they could play a great role of disruptor as this season plays out. And it may very well come down to, you know, when you catch them and how how clustered the games are. You know, there is something to that strength of schedule point because, you know, in the month of April, the hardest schedule in all of Major League Baseball was played by the Cincinnati Reds. And we all know how their April went. So there is something to that. So as far as the Blue Jays winning the East, I I think for me, I think the Yankees are going to be the team that ends up finishing third. I think by the end of this season, it's going to be a two horse race between the Rays and the Blue Jays. I, I can't, it's hard for me to hold my tongue here. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy talk. We, we ripped the Yankees out of them. We did. It's crazy talk. <laughs> no, I, uh, 
first of all, Steve, we gotta have a talk because you're not contractually obligated to only watch bad baseball. Why you gotta watch the <laughs> and the Rams? No, that was like, fun I mean, baseball. You, those were all <laughs> wins. That was great baseball. <laughs> no, They've walked true. off the Red Sox and the Rays recently. The O's are fun. They're a lot. Yeah, of it's a, there and are you a bunch of don't them? give a damn down there. What's really and the keyword down there, by the way. But uh, <laughs> the, the exciting part about them, but also the scary part for guys who root for teams in the AL East is that they're getting a bunch of players who are one good, but also incredibly likable. I love Ryan Mountcastle and Cedric Mullins. Like, I mean, these guys are just so easy to like. And when they're actually all together, when Adley Rutschman's there and John Means is back and everybody's playing, Grayson Rodriguez is up. That's going to be a team that, oh my goodness, they're good. And also like, I like them. (laughs) It's going to be really (laughs) weird. They are going to yeah, be the great disruptors, I'm telling you. It's going to be interesting to see, especially with Adley Rutschman coming up. I, I find that team very intriguing. I will, I'll, I'll give you that, Steve. That just had to, had to throw that in there. But yeah, I think from a Reds perspective, I was very, very encouraged with Graham Ashcraft. I think he has earned another start because he's a guy that's actually going to be here in a couple of years. Because there's a lot of dudes that you saw this weekend that's not going to be around whenever this team is good again, let alone for much of the rest of the year. There was a couple of guys kind of like Taylor Motter that were emergency, like call upon this guy. We don't have anybody else. In fact, they had to bring up Aristides Aquino, who they sent down like a couple weeks ago because he had struck out nearly 50% of the time. Like, just absolute yes, Punisher. Yeah, I know. That's he a name to had... remember, Aristides Aquino. That's that's <laughs> yeah. like a, that would be a trivia great. question. Yeah, I was about I to say it. Ben and I play. He was a J. Like if he ever like hops on a team for ten minutes, he'd be fantastic. <laughs> He's, I've I've wanted to see a change of scenery for him, but yeah, I don't know. I he just he keeps passing through waivers. I don't think anybody else wants him. I, I think it's crazy, but. Uh, there was just so many guys like that that I look at and I'm like, they're not going to be around here. But I was happy to see that Graham Ashcraft is actually doing something. And I continue to just fall in love with Alexis Diaz. I I think that he's going to be a dude for them out of the bullpen for a long time because of his delivery, the deceptiveness of it, but also just how fun that fastball is. Like, I think he can locate it to a point, but there's also to a point where he's just like, this is coming plate word it's going to be somewhere around that little box thing. You might have to swing at it. I'm not really sure. And then he drops in a slider that's just going to go right underneath your bat. And he's so much fun to watch. You know, the thing with this team, I think, Jeff, you're understating it just a little bit. This team, you know, this team was constructed of players that they weren't going to keep around for a long time. A lot of placeholders, you know, on our show, guys, we keep talking about the year 2024. There's so much young talent coming through the red system right now that's all slated to arrive around the 2024 baseball season. But what has happened is they constructed a team this year that they hoped might maybe get to 500. And now all of those guys are out injured and we're running lineups out there with guys. I'm telling you, it is a daily dose of who the hell is this cat? Every time you look at the Reds lineup and, you know, you have to, you know, I spent a lot of time on baseball reference now trying to figure out if they like are inventing names because some of these players I've never heard of. So I think as we start to get players back, Nick Senzel's on a rehab assignment. Jake Fraley is on a rehab assignment. You know, Solano and uh, Barrero are both going to be back here before too long. That changes the makeup of this team. They're not going to win the division. 
they're not going to compete for a playoff spot, but I think they're going to win Jeff and I our money back that we uh, threw down at betonline.net because we both took the over on the win total this season, which was 73 and a half. We need 74 wins, and I think they can get there. I'll keep my eye out on that for you. <laughs> I, w- I will say to, to tie it a little bit together, like you're talking about the young guys getting leaned on. We mentioned the Orioles with Adley Rushman coming up. I think on our side, a lot of people forget. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a year younger than Adley Rushman is. He's in his fourth year in the majors. Bo Bichette's the same age. Alejandro Kirk is younger. Uh, Consistency is a tough thing to find when you have young guys, whether you're a team like the Jays going for it or the Reds trying to rebuild. It's just it's baseball. and it's, It's hard to get young players to come out and play the same every day. I totally agree. And I, I'm just, I'm looking forward so much that AL East race is going to be fantastic to watch. Uh, sorry that you get it from both sides there, Matt, but uh, it's, it's going to be intriguing <laughs> for sure. It'll be, it'll and be I think that, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and I think that that is a great place to wrap it up. Matt, Ben, want to thank you guys so much for talking this series here. Steve, I guess I can thank you too. I mean, I talk to you every day. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll definitely be, uh, keeping our eye on the blue Jays though. Cause they are going to be a fun team to watch the rest of the year. And this red side, I mean, who knows if, if for some reason, anybody in Toronto's ever down in Cincinnati, you're going to get a cheap ticket and you're not going to have to actually sit in the nosebleeds. You're going to be able to sit in the lower bowl. So there's, there's that too. But Joey Votto and Joey Votto, Joseph Daniel Votto. There we go. I got <laughs> one in today too. All right. That's going to do it for us, though. Thanks for making Lockdown Reds and Lockdown Blue Jays your first listen. Now go make Lockdown MLB your second listen, because Sully's got his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. That's Lockdown MLB, just like Lockdown Reds and Lockdown Blue Jays, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. We'll talk to you guys soon. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.